0: Last week, we started this uh, look into how we might thrive in the midst of monumental change and the turmoil that that change brings. And so as we move into that a little more deeply today, what I want to do is kind of go back and pull some of the things that we introduced last week, and we want to draw them uh, into some deeper discussions and to some principles that we might use as we seek to do more than just survive but rather to thrive through the midst of this change that is our new normal, at least in a sense. And in the process of doing that, what we're trying to do is to build something of a theology of change. Change is such a part, uh, such a basic part of the human condition, uh, and so many people struggle with it that I think it's a good idea during these times especially that we kind of dive in and see what scripture teaches us. We're looking at this guy named Job, and last week we started in chapter one and a little bit of chapter two. So I am going to go back and pull in a few things from those two. And as I do that, I wanna start in what might be a little bit uh, of a challenging place for some of us. Uh, Many of us live at the point I'm about to lay out for us, but some of us are almost offended by the idea of that. And that is the idea that, Sometimes in our lives, for some of us at least, uh, it is as if God is on trial. Uh, I want to take you to back to chapter 1 here and work our way into chapter 3 today. Uh, but this idea of God being on, on trial seems to bubble to the surface, at least partially, as we look at this first part of the book of Job. Um, maybe I'll, I'll say it this way sometimes we encounter things in our lives that uh, make us wonder if God is being fair with us. Uh, Typically, we're the ones who decide what fair means, and that's part of our problem most of the time. But uh, when we find ourselves in situations like the one that we're in, and and everything's changing, and some people are really hurting now this deep into this particular uh, crisis, this pandemic that we're in, Uh, it's not a bad thing for us to stop and just kind of own our feelings and own our thoughts here. So if you happen to be one who thinks that sometimes maybe God comes across as a little bit unfair and we put God on trial in those kind of times, then I think there's some help for us in Job 1 and 2 and then into chapter 3. Uh, Job's life, as we began to look at it last week, the first five verses of chapter 1, show that everything's going well. He's kind of the guy Uh, that scripture looks to he's above reproach so to speak and he has a lot going for him that most of us would look at and go okay so so there's not a that's not a bad model for us to seek but then this change comes and in that change we find something of that trigger towards questioning whether God might be fair or not look at chapter 1 verse 12 of the book of Job And it says this, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has, that's Job, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So, it says, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. It almost sounds like God is setting Job up. We jump down down to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and that God on trial bubbles to the surface again In chapter two, verse six, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And those two things come together, I think, and and begin to lay that foundation for some people to look at what happens to them And with a tip of the hat to the sovereignty of God, say, well, then God's not being fair with me by putting me in this circumstance. I know in our world today that that's going on, that there are people who are looking at this and God seems to be the culprit behind all of it. Uh, So maybe just ask that question. Does God care what's going on now? For those who are in an industry that has been uh, wrecked by the isolation and the quarantine process that we've had to go through, how might they be seeing God through all of this? It's not a bad question. It threatens a lot of Christians because we think we have to protect God somehow. But I would suggest to you that God's quite capable of taking care of himself. And so when we have those questions, it's not a bad question for us to bring to the surface. Now, there's a, there's a bit of a danger In this passage, I think, that we need to acknowledge, and that is that often when we come to these kind of situations, our theology gets a little bit messed up, and we start falling into this approach that says, well, God is the author of all that is good, and Satan is the author of all that is bad, and so when bad things happen, then we just want to ascribe that off to Satan, and he's the one doing it. There are problems with that approach. One of those problems is that it relegates God to just being a one-dimensional kind of God. So when we come to this, here's a question I want us to consider. Who is God and what is he up to? So when we come to talk about thriving in the midst of change, we have to be able to to boil down and get an answer that is good theology, but also good practical living itself out for us. Be careful in this, that you don't fall victim to what I call situational focus. And that is that focus that takes our eyes off of God and puts it down into the situation and then suddenly we we make the situation bigger than what it really is. And maybe better said, we make it bigger than God even and somehow relegate God to some kind of status where he's just able to watch what's going on but not do anything about it. In other words, we come and ask this question, not just in this time of change but in any time of change in your life you should stop and ask the question, where's God in this situation? That pushes us into a couple of principles. And I've got a series of principles and a corollary here that I want to throw out. And then we'll come back and fill it out as we go through today. But here's the first principle for us. Many of you have heard me say this before, uh, but this is the time that this principle seems to matter the most. Here's that principle. God is more concerned about your growth and development than he is in your comfort. That in itself causes some people to just kind of back up and kind of dig dig in, put the brakes on and say, well, hold on, If, if God doesn't want me to be comfortable, I'm not sure that I want to follow him. That's God on trial. That's that point of reference that seems to question whether God is really trustworthy or not. However we process it, the principle is true. God is more concerned about your spiritual growth and development than he is in your comfort. Job needed to know that. As we open up with Job here, and we're in chapter 1 now, verses 20 and 21, we find that Job has this incredible depth about who God is, and what his relationship is with him. But Job needed to go beyond the I'm blessed by God, that's the first five verses, to get to the point in the last chapter, as we saw last week, where he says God is sovereign. I've experienced the problem enough to be able to settle into God as sovereign. Chapter one, verses twenty. And 21, give us a little bit of insight into where Job is at the beginning of this process. And then Job arose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and worshipped. Stop. He had just lost everything. The passage immediately before that, Job is told by one messenger after another that everything about his life had fallen apart and it says again verse 20 that last part he fell on the gr- excuse me he fell on the ground and he worshiped how's your worship these days on that personal level just you and God in spite of all the other stuff the pressures as a parent working with your kids how's your worship right now that's an amazing statement for me Uh, And the question then is, can you worship God, really worship God when you feel like God's being unfair? Job's life, we should know, doesn't just start right here. Job has a long process of his life growing and building and all of those pieces of who he has been come to bear on this moment. That points me to another principle, and that is that when you find yourself in a position like this, you have to know that everything that you've done And everything that you've gone through and everything that God's done to prove himself to you comes to bear on this moment. So part of what you do is you look backward and you draw from what you know about God. And the the crisis itself, the change that that crisis brings uh, is not bigger than God. It's not bigger than the moment. It's just another step in his growth and development process for you. The corollary for that is that you also have to handle this situation in order to be prepared for the next one. God is always at work with us, moving us and taking us through these times of change. So with that in mind, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Where is God in this? And with Job's life, is God really setting him up? I would say yes. God is setting Job up not for failure and not necessarily for pain. He's setting him up for growth. So the way we thrive, or one of those things that we do as we thrive, uh, as we go through this process, as we seek to thrive, is that we settle into who God is and where he's taking us through this. Can you see the hand of God in this? We're gonna point you now to a little bit of time for reflection and discussion. Two questions, one, where's God in this time of change? The second one is, what is he trying to teach us? What is he trying to teach you? (music) To summarize that last segment, the why of the crisis, of the change that we're going through here, somewhere in that, no matter how many other answers you can get, somewhere in your answer to why it's happening has to be that God is at work to develop us spiritually. And once we get to that point, then that opens the door for us to begin to evaluate how we respond to it. Last week, I gave a little bit of insight in the ways we typically respond, but I want to take it now as we build this theology of change to talk about how we should change in all this, how we should respond to the change that's around us. Uh, And so how do you respond is answered this way. And I, I think this is categorical enough that it applies to all of us. The way we tend to respond to change is we come from who we are and where we are in our current spiritual functioning. In other words, we always respond to things from that depth of who we are, and in our spiritual growth and development, there is that piece of us that, that bubbles out into times like this, Uh, Job is a great picture of that. Job two into three is a great picture because in chapter one, we find he's the guy, first five verses, and then all of this change happens as we work our way towards the end of that chapter. We get into chapter two and there's the second heavenly council and Satan goes after him again uh, as God allows him to do that. And by the time we get to the end of chapter two, Job's friends are about to show up. And as they show up, there's, there's this insight that shows us something about where Job is by that time. No longer is he that guy in chapter one, or at least doesn't present himself that way, but this way in chapter two, verse 12, he says, or the text says, and when they, that is his friend, saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody who's in such anguish that it changes their appearance? That's what we find with Job. This time of change and this time of crisis is working him over. And as we get to chapter 3 and we listen to what he has to say, it just unfolds for us. And I'm not going to take the time to read all of chapter 3 here, but let me just give you a broad outline so that you can work through it on your own. In the first 10 verses, Job speaks out of his pain and he questions his own birth. And we find this this recurring statement back and forth for 10 verses where Job questions his own birth. He questions his own conception. And by the time we get to the end of that, the Job of chapter 1 that says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though Job is not accusing God now, uh, it's almost as if he is. God is on trial. And Job is saying, it would have been better if I had not ever been born. And then verses 11 through 26 take us even further with the searching questions that he lays out. The summary of that whole thing is, Job's opinion is, it would be better if I was dead. There's a principle that I want us to catch out of that. Pain has a way. And change and the pain that comes from change has a way of taking us to some really scary places. A few years ago, a number of years ago now, I suffered with an infection in my spine and the pain that that brought to me was inescapable. And it took me places spiritually that I did not wanna go. It took me places physically uh, and mentally that I did not want to go, that I didn't even think I was capable of going to those places. Pain has a way of taking us and forcing, force-feeding us this dialogue that begins to question God. With that in mind, I want us to be careful these days because we're being force-fed Change. And now we're deep enough into that, that that change is bringing some pain with it. And there may well be pain as we go forward. So be aware and pay attention to your own emotions and to your self-talk, as you find with Job here in chapter three. The question becomes, how will I respond to this? I would say that's a hard question, but hard questions deserve good answers. And good answers are not always easy to come by. So, as one of my professors uh, used to say, you live with the question long enough to begin to get to truth. Job gets us to the truth of his own life. The end of chapter three, verse 25, he says this, for the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. The Hebrew language, if we translate it very literally here, he says, "The thing or the fear that I feared is here." I don't know where you are and what your fears are. We're going to give you some time to discuss some of this now. we'll come back and pull it all together in our next segment. So here are the questions this time. In this time of monumental change, which fear or fears highlight your need for God's comfort? And then what does it look like to thrive in spite of those fears? through all of this that our charge is not to only survive the change that we're going through but to thrive in it so we've got several things on the table today that God is always at work to develop us spiritually and Job reaches a point where he gets really honest and really transparent this is what I'm thinking and this is what I'm feeling Uh, the whole title of this message I knew this was gonna happen comes from that verse 25 where Job says, the fear that I feared has now upon me. So what I want to do is try to bring this home and, and push it into your lap in a way that gives you something to work with as you seek to process the change of our lives, not just now, but going forward. That's the value of a theology of change. It gives us that point of truth to work from, biblically speaking. And I want to do that by going to some basic Uh, principles that come out of systems theory and without going into all of what systems theory is here's a few truths that that come directly to bear on where we are here the first one is that systems always seek uh, a normal state they need they seek stability that's true in your life Uh, we could take this virus as a point of reference. And and when we have some kind of virus that's introduced into that, our body fights it because we have this normal that we're looking for. And that's true in all kinds of organizations. It's certainly true in church life. Uh, And and that is if a church and an individual seeks to find that level of normal where everything is stable and we don't have to work so hard at living. Uh, When we get to that point, that point of normal, um, it's just not a battle. I mean, although battles come, it's a time of peace and it's a place of peace. And, and to quote some of what the main theme of chapters three, uh, two and three here for Job is that it, it, we come to the point of rest. That's the system. That's what it shoots for, at least. The second part of that, though, is that when change is injected into that peaceful system, it always creates anxiety And there is a reaction to that. The system seeks normal and stable. Something is interjected into that that causes it to to go into shock, if you will. And there's anxiety there. Uh, And in doing so, then the system begins to fight it. And so we might say, well, how does a system fight that? And the answer is however it has to. It will do anything the system will to try to reach that point of stability that change destroys or at least challenges. So in a church context, I had a professor told us one time who talked about change in a church and the role that a lot of ministers uh, carry. So if you're a young minister out there watching this, this is a great truth for you. And that is every church has its own system. It has its own normal it has that point of stability and the church will fight to keep that. And so if a minister comes in or a group of people come in and start trying to change that, uh, it creates this anxiety in the system and, there, and that anxiety can cause real havoc uh, for those people who are involved in it. The next level of that then is that that fight for normal in that system will continue to rage until some level of stability is reached. Either that stability is going to be what it was before that change was pushed in, or that point of stability will be a whole new normal. And I hear a lot of that coming out of discussions these days. So either it gets back to what it was, or it gets to some new level. And usually if it gets to that new level, it's only because there's a lot of bloodletting that goes on in the system. Or it can be anywhere in between. But the key is that the individuals in that system fight and finally have to settle on, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Because whatever else is true, we're looking for stability and peace and all of those kind of things. True in organizations, true in organisms, that's how we tend to function. And so I would say for us now individually and as a church going through this, that our own level of anxiety is proportionate to our willingness to accept or embrace change. Let me say that again. Our own level of anxiety is directly proportionate to our ability and our willingness to embrace and accept change. One of the reasons we see this, this outcry in our society these days is because there is that group of our society who looks at what's going on and this, this, uh, this pulling back and the isolation, the quarantine and all of that stuff. And people are saying, let's get back to normal. And so there are protests that are happening. I'm not judging those. I'm just saying that's what's happening. The system is now fighting back to find that level of normal. And so let's go back to Job here because there would be those who would say, based on what I've just walked through, Would be those who would say that Job is not reacting to change, he's reacting to suffering. My suggestion is that for Job, the suffering is the change. The picture we have of him in chapter one, especially the first five verses and then his response to the initial suffering that's injected, uh, both of those show this guy who's kind of got it all together spiritually and otherwise it seems. But by the time we get deep into chapter three with that personal suffering now, that that physical onslaught that he's suffering, Job is fighting against that. The suffering that came into his life is the change for him. And in that, it gives us some insight I think that is really helpful. Again, verse 25, let me actually read verse 24 through 26. It says, Job says, for my sighing comes instead of my bread and my groanings are poured out like water for the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. That's a different picture of the guy who said in chapter two, blessed be the name of the Lord. The suffering is the change for him. So what causes us to suffer? When change is the order of the day for us, why do we suffer with that? Why do we struggle with that so much? If we know that God is taking us somewhere through that change, Why is it such a big deal for us? One of the things that I think fits this and Job talks, or we find in Job a lot about fear and that certainly is the order of day for many, of this day for many people in our society. Um, I would suggest to you that we come back to that sin nature that we always fight. The loss of control triggers fear in us when I'm not in charge of my environment, when I, I can't see to it that my home is safe, for instance, uh, then I, I can have this fear that creeps in as I try to go to bed at night, that something or somebody might find their way in through a weak point. If I have this control over my personal life and I just seek to have this control over my kids, by the way, that's a recipe for disaster as a parent, But with all of those things that come, we we recognize that fear begins to take on a lot of different objects. I I fear for my sustainability of living. I fear for um, my health and, and those kind of things, they all come in. I fear lost relationships. Fear has a way of creeping into us in all corners of our lives. And fear left to itself. In other words, if we don't check fear, then it easily moves to despair. Chances are good that some of us watching today are in the grips of fear and despair. So, what do we do? How do we thrive? in the midst of that. Three very quick suggestions for you. The first one is that we need to surrender our control orientation. We're just not gonna be able to control everything. And I think one of the miracles of what we find medically now is that there is this virus that's out there that defies the modern medicine that was in place when it first showed up. That's why it's a pandemic. We can't control everything. And in those times where we recognize that we can, it returns us and pushes us back to the sovereignty of God. And that's hard for us because of our sin nature where we want to be in control, we want to be God. Second thing that we can do to thrive is to avoid the temptation or the tendency to fight against change. I know that that challenges a lot of us, but the goal is to find God's specific input in this situation for us. Where is he growing me? Where is he growing you? When you plug in there and put your energies there and your thoughts there, Uh, then it moves you into that position where God is taking you where he wants you to go. Which leads me to the third one, and that is, you need to call it what it is. This is a a great insight from Job. End of chapter two, those friends go and they don't say anything. Job doesn't say anything for seven days, seven nights. But Job eventually says, I have something to say. So call it what it is. And those people that are in your life, work with them, talk with them, and make sure that there are those people in your life who can take you where you need to go with the Lord through all of this. We can thrive. We can do more than survive in this, but the only way is when we settle into the sovereignty of God and where he is taking us in this. God bless you. Hope you have a great week.